When it comes to hydration for my training and competition, I use PrEPT, the world's first resistant starch hydration formula. PrEP primes me before exercise and recovers me after, enhancing fluid uptake and minimizing fluid loss. PrEPT helps me run faster, longer, and stronger. It's my secret weapon and it can be yours too. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, PrEP can help you reach your goals and stay hydrated. In actual fact, I know the PrEP team are committed to helping any athlete tick off their bucket list events and say, what's next? Not never again. Visit prepthydration.com.au to try for yourself today. Prepped is the ultimate hydration for runners. Hi, I'm Izzy Bardoel and I want you to join me for a limited series on the past, present and future of Australian women's marathoning. The guests are Australia's best marathoners, with each of the seven episodes featuring an in-depth conversation with Aussie running royalty, from Benita Willis to Sinead Diver and more. We unpack their training, the ups and downs of their careers and what makes each of these athletes special. All right, I'm really excited to be chatting to four-time Olympian and now the number three all-time Australian marathoner after her blazing new PB of 2.23.15 in Osaka two weeks ago, Lisa Waitman. Thanks for making the time to chat today, Lisa. My pleasure. Lovely to chat to you, Izzy. Yes, we've both just gotten back from Japan. Looked like you had an amazing time with Lachlan and P over there. We did, yeah. I think we were just as excited about the marathon as we were of um, meeting Mickey Mouse, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, the family, as you know, put so much effort into our performances and helping us along the journey. So it was really great to have that opportunity to celebrate with him and show him Disney and, and get him to experience that Japanese culture, which is uh, pretty special. Definitely. I think it's so cool for um, a kid that young to be traveling the world and seeing different things and having those experiences. But yeah, you can really tell what a um, solid little team you guys are and how supportive um, your family is of your training and racing goals. So it's pretty cool to see. And look, you've done something pretty amazing. You've gone and run the Osaka Marathon in 2.23.15, which was a 45 second PB from you from Berlin just five months ago. And then one week later, you backed it up with Tokyo Marathon, running a very decent 2.31.42, if I'm correct. I think that's about right, yeah. <laughs> Tell us, I can't even imagine, I'm so sore after one marathon, so you've just done two. How are you feeling? I, I'm feeling really, uh, really good now. Yeah, I was, I think the worst part of the second one was probably my stomach. So later in that race, I felt a bit like funny in the stomach and, uh, and you know, you don't kind of think about, about that as much as you do about training, getting your muscles right and all of that sort of stuff. But I guess what it did tell me is the importance of nutrition in the lead up and, and, uh, and recovery. So I think the impact was more about that than, than anything with sore legs and things. Um, you know, I mean, I've ran, you know, for, as you mentioned earlier, I've ran for decades. So, uh, you know, ran in the thinnest of racing flats and, and had, you know, way worse. Uh, experiences post-marathon um, with the, you know, the old style shoes and things that you just didn't give you that shock absorption. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It was a little bit of a crazy stunt, but um, I've pulled up pretty well and I'm really glad that I did it. Um, you know, I can go into the why. I think certain people have speculated as to why, but um, I'm happy to, to share yeah. something as we get into the conversation. But, well, I think just yeah. touching on that, like um, what, what you said about the shoes, I think that it would have been pretty crazy thing to do you know a few years ago before the shoe technology we've got now but 
um, you know, after a couple of days a week, it's amazing what your body can do recovery rise after a marathon now. So yeah, I think that you probably experienced a lot worse in those days racing the marathon um, in the previous shoes with with no support. So yeah, it's definitely true that your body's probably pretty conditioned to experiencing that. Yeah. So when I ran um, 225, which was sort of that previous PB that I had, you know, we were back in the older style shoes back then. And I remember it was in London and I was running along and I, I think I was at like 37K and it was like someone had shot me in the foot, like when your toenail like pops off. And, you know, and you're like, oh, gosh, am I going to be able to finish this with this pain? Uh, and, you know, and you don't get that now, uh, you know, with the new shoes. So we're really blessed to be in this era where the technology has really advanced and given us an opportunity to really push ourselves even further than we, you know, than we realised we could go. So I'm really positive about the change now that it's a bit more equal. Um, yeah. Access is available to pretty much anyone um, to be able to use all the different shoes and make choices there. So it's pretty exciting times. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think I, I did one city today before the, the new shoes kind of came out. But other than that, all my road running, my first half marathon, first marathon has all been in, you know, the new great shoes. I've got nothing to compare to, but it's interesting to speak to someone who's kind of gone through that transition of, years of road running um do you find that the benefits in the shoes are more the recovery factor afterwards or you know as well in the race uh it's definitely both yeah it's definitely both I mean you, you run I remember running a I think it was a Bernie 10 when it was sort of in that you know middle ground of um you know the shoes coming in but not everyone having them and mm. that sort of thing and I remember running um a Bernie 10 and running along and thinking I'm going okay and then a couple of the girls just kind of like <laughs> just you know, whoosh past me like with ease. And I was thinking, what's going on here? You know, like, and I go, why are we not moving? And I'm like that untrained. But then when I then pulled out a pair of these shoes, I'm like, oh, now I know. Yeah, I get the feeling. You know, yeah, I sort of got that feeling went, okay, well, this is great. Um, You know, now they're available to everybody. It's pretty cool because everyone, you know, it's a level playing field again. And, um, you know, we can all you know, have a go and, and really recover and then push ourselves even further. Yeah. Maybe that, that's not a great thing sometimes that we're all kind of pushing ourselves to the max. Um, so just add some recovery in there. Yeah. Um, but it is, yeah, like I said, it is exciting. And, and certainly I think it's a contributor to um, athletes like myself who are still going in their 40s, mm. I think, you know, because you you are getting a lot of a nicer ride and, and much better recovery um, post-effort. Yeah, definitely. So was this about ticking off the major marathons? It seems like that was maybe a goal of yours. I think when we saw your name um, on the start list for Tokyo, people might have thought, is she pacing? Is she just doing it, you know, for fun? It's an ASICS event. Um, yeah. yeah, so what's the, I guess you can tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so it was a bit of all of that, yeah, funnily enough. Uh, so originally I was given a sub-elite start for Tokyo by ASICS, um, as you said, the, the sponsor and my sponsor too. And uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'll take the sub-elite um, entry. But in the meantime, I was invited to Osaka and uh, and so I was really keen to run Osaka. And I ran the women's one many times and so it was, you know, a place we're really familiar with. Uh, and then we organised, you know, a team going. So mining was running and she was bringing her children. And so it was really fun, going to be a really fun experience. And then uh, what I didn't know <laughs> in the middle of all that is that they'd organised for my Tokyo entry to be an elite entry. Uh, and so I didn't find that out until closer to the time when they launched the the start list for the elites. And But I had originally said to my friend Claire, who was running Tokyo, 
if I'm feeling all right, I'll pace you. I don't know how far I'll be able to go because she was going to be in the sub-elite category as well. I don't know how far I'll be able to go post-marathon. Who knows? It's unknown. Um, but I'd really love to help you if I can. So that's how it started. We had our little adventure and we were going to go to Disney beforehand and with the kids. And, yeah, it was. It started off as, as that. Uh, and then once I got to the race, you know, Claire had um, a couple of little niggles, so she's um, shifting out to do London and, uh, and then I said to her, well, I'm feeling all right. Maybe I should just do it um, because I'm here and, you know, I only have um, uh, Boston left if I complete Tokyo. And also there was uh, quite a few Australians who were running in the, the different um, waves as well. So I was like, oh, I can go out and I can cheer for them and <laughs> just be part of this experience. And then also on top of that, the bonus is that I can do some stuff for ASICs along the way. So we did all of that stuff with ASICs and everything and then I was waiting until pretty much the last day on Saturday to decide if I was going to get on the line. But what I didn't think about, which is a bit silly, but what I didn't think about is that I hadn't planned to run so fast at the start, but it's such a fast start. I mean, you have women going out to try and run 2.16. So um, it was a bit of a stampede at the start. So I had no choice really but to, at least for the first 5K, just go out (laughs) Uh, otherwise I was going to either be knocked over uh, or who knows. So, yeah, so the, the idea wasn't necessarily to run as fast, um, but then I felt really comfortable in a pack. There was some really nice guys that, you know, were giving each other cups of water and it was kind of just enjoyable. Um, and then in the second half, it was just like sort of the last 10K, my stomach was feeling a bit off. So, um, you know, uh, I just kind of ran along and then I was able to see some of my friends who were running on the other side and so we were waving and talking to each other, you know, just stuff like that. So it was a really cool experience, I have to say, because, you know, marathons are stressful when you're trying to qualify, run times, you know, got so much pressure that you're placing yourself and, and the, you know, and the surrounds do too. Um, so this one was just one that I didn't have any pressure and, yeah, it was it was quite a good experience. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I think that you'll definitely look back on that experience and, um, yeah, always remember, you know, what a what a crazy and fun week it was and pretty yeah. cool, yeah, as you said, yeah, to do a marathon where the pressure's off, you're just seeing how you feel and you're really enjoying the experience and you're very present. So, yeah, it sounds like it was, um, yeah, something you you won't forget. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was certainly that that whole trip and, yeah, for, ever, for all of us, we just really felt relaxed and had a great time and, and yeah, Pete had friends to play with and, yeah, just just how running should be. It shouldn't be all of the, you know, all that pressure that we placed on ourselves. Um, you've got to keep reminding yourself that why did we start running in the first place? We did it because we really enjoy that moment. We really enjoy our friends and helping each other. And that weekend for me in or two weeks in Japan really uh, brought that home. And, yeah. and, you know, and that that's what I hope everyone can start to get out of their whole experience and um, because that's what it's meant to be. Definitely. If you're not having fun with it, then what's the point? You're all a bit mad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wondered if you could just talk us through a typical training week um, in a marathon block for you. I know, you know, you've been to four Olympics for the marathon, so you truly are a marathon through and through. Um, but what does a, a regular week in your training look like? Yeah, so we don't have a regular week. Um, so I've trained differently for every marathon that I've ran. And that's been a lot to do with when I was younger, I had stress fractures. So mm-hmm. I had like nine in my tibia over like 10 years um, from being a teenager right through. And I and that's why, you know, footwear and things like that has certainly helped me get rid of that, which is great. Um, but 
yeah, so when we first started in the marathon prep, I was really cautious and Dick was really concerned about because uh, he'd ridden all those waves with me and so mm-hmm. over the years and so he was like really concerned that you know he wanted to make sure I was on the start line you know and not yeah. before and and so year after year we've kind of just been layering um you know this block I guess we've been doing more of the traditional um marathon work where we've been doing um you know two sessions a week and the long run with some efforts in it um but we also focus heavily on the 10k speed mm-hmm. um you know if I could run if I could have made it earlier in my career as a 5k runner I would have absolutely taken that path just because I really love running fast so you know running the 10k last year in Sydney like I've just really enjoyed doing that and so I really love doing the 10k work on the track with the team and um, you know, so I get a lot of lot out of that. We focus a bit on, you know, sort of that 10 half marathon speed um, in our first session. And then we, you know, gradually progress into the marathon stuff and build from there. So it's nothing, we don't have like a typical week. Um, and also the benefit of being in um, a situation that I'm in where I train with Locke or he rides the bike um, and I have a couple of people locally that I go for some runs with. I don't, I sort of dictate when I'm recovered and get to train. Um, yeah. And and that's been really beneficial um, and kept me, you know, I only missed like two runs, I think, in this whole block. So um, I think being able to kind of call it when you're not ready for a session, that that's really healthy and helpful too. Yeah, I'm in the same situation in my training setup and I like that flexibility of dictating like, you know, how recovered I feel and when I'm ready for my session and, and those sort of things. It, it is very beneficial to have that kind of flexibility I think when you're yeah it's really good it sounds like you've got a very similar setup I think I think I ran with Bryn in one of, in the half marathon which yeah. was really good yeah and, um, having those guys to push us along is really helpful and because I don't live like even though I'm in Melbourne I don't live near Sinead or Ellie or you know we're not near each other to sort of get our lifestyles in sync to do things together yeah, sure, so sure. yeah it makes it nicer when you've got training partners around <laughs> otherwise it's a bit solo and boring. <laughs> yeah and so I know you're pretty high mileage so would your weekly k's you kind of sit somewhere around the 200 200 k's a week in in a big block um this block I hit 200 k's but I've never ran that high mileage before so mm-hmm. all of my mileage has been lower and that's been yep. because more so because of work than anything yeah. so yeah, so like I work like 40, 45 hours a week in my job and, you know, have Pete to look after and, you know, other things that happen in your life that you need to to work through and things. And so uh, it's been more of a challenge pre-pandemic for me to train um, at this same level um, as I have, have done in the last 12 months. Um, I think the pandemic for us has been a bit of a blessing. I know that sounds really strange, but... We were in the office. We would lock, and I would run at six a.m. and six and start a session at six thirty at night. Uh, we'd be running like along, um, you know, the the Port Melbourne um, Beach Road at after work. You know, still out there at eight o'clock at night, and Dick would ring me and say, "So, have you had dinner yet?" And we'd be like, "We're still in the car driving home." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, for us being able to work from home, um, that has really changed. Uh, you know how we've been able to structure our training mm-hmm. and you know we're not not out at 8 30 at night we're able to do sessions in the morning and still get Pete to school and yeah so it's it's had a huge impact on what I've been able to do um, and put in and you know that's shown in my results. Yeah I think that flexibility factor of post-COVID has um, helped a lot of people 
um, in their kind of life uh, work balance. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you really wear three hats, you know, you're a a professional runner, um, you know, Commonwealth Games medalist, four-time Olympian. You're also, you've worked for IBM as a technology consultant for about 20 years um, and, you know, you've got a young son. So it must be quite challenging, you know, putting on those different hats and making time for everything. Yeah, it is. You know, mums are always pretty hard on themselves and dads too, really, that you want to be present in everything you can be. And, you know, I think one of the things that really took its toll for me trying to balance was, you know, the last Olympics, um, you know, leaving Pete for, you know, nine weeks to to run at the Olympics. I, it really had an emotional impact on me and and really I really struggled um, by the time the actual race came along and, and then to do, you know, your hotel quarantine and things like that. So, um, you know, that aspect of it was has been probably the toughest uh, part of choosing running mm-hmm. over thing, you know, over, uh, you know, looking after Pete and being there for him. Uh, and, and that really showed in my performance and everything like that. So I guess the, the key thing there is that, you know, you kind of can't be too hard on yourself when you're trying to juggle so many things. And we as parents and, you know, we had, before we were parents too were hard on ourselves, but as parents you take that to that next level because it's another little human that, you know, you adore so much. And, um, and so you get really hard on yourself when you can't be present. You know, I've got like work people calling and, you know, we were homeschooling Pete and, you know, you're trying to be there and help him with his things. And 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 it's, it is definitely a difficult juggle. Um, but I think the benefit for us is we've got such an amazing extended family. And so, you know, one of the, the great things about this training block is we spent, because it was over Christmas holidays, we spent a lot of time in Creswick, just outside of Ballarat. And uh, we, yeah, we trained there and uh, Pete had his grandparents with him like 24-7 and it was outdoors, out in the garden playing. And so we didn't feel so guilty when we were out doing my training because we knew he was having a great time. And that, you know, that makes you feel um, more comfortable as a parent that, you know, that the sacrifices you're making um, are worth it, you know. So you, you always grapple with that because you don't want to be selfish and, um, but you also want to achieve your dreams and and have that personal achievement come to light. So I think we kind of nailed it this time. Not so much at the Olympics last last Olympics, but we we got it right this time for a cycle. Yeah, it's all timing, isn't it? And just figuring out the, which time of the year and how things are going to fit in together with your whole kind of your whole life. Yeah, yeah. But I want to hear a bit about you. Like, how how did you find the book? Oh, so exciting! <laughs> this isn't about me. But, I know, I know. It but. was um, a pretty cool experience. I think racing in Japan. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I love it over there. Um, it wasn't probably the, the day that I hoped for. Like I had set a few bigger goals for myself, but um, yeah, I just found myself on my own before 30Ks and um, my my first marathon, I had Bryn all the way to the line. So it's yeah, just a very yeah. different experience. And it was about 22 degrees and sunny um, when we were running. So it was a bit warmer than anticipated. And um, I think that was a bit of a, a bit of a shock almost to be in Japan that early in the year and it'd be that warm. But yeah, I, I'm just so humbled by the marathon and I'm already looking forward to the next opportunity and just um yeah, so eager to learn from all of you women who've gone ahead of me and are still still running at such an amazing level. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with my result, but I'm just yeah, really excited about the future and and I'm always just sponging off being around, yeah, you guys who've just gone before me and, and run these amazing times and done these amazing things. Well, I have to tell you one thing, you did a great job, but also even when you run faster, you still want more and you yeah. continually, you continually it's the mentality. like, well, yeah. I did this and now I'm going to do this, you know, and, and you know, it's it's so much pressure we place on ourselves, but it's also 
really exciting because you know the the more you try, you know, the more you do it, the more you want to get more out of yourself. And and um, so yeah, you've already you've already been bitten by the bug, but it sounds like <laughs> yeah, I love it. And yeah. I think I think one stat I came across, Lisa, and it was really interesting that you've run fourteen sub two thirty marathons, and it's the most by any Australian woman. Um, and, and that really shows your consistency in this event um, and your, your ability to really perform um, when you get to the start line. Um, did, did you know that stat, 14? I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know that <laughs> popped up on a, a Twitter post um, and then I went and kind of checked it and added your most recent ones. And, yeah, it's pretty amazing that you've done um, that many. And I, I, you also shared a post um, a while ago about your progression in the marathon. And I thought that was a really um, – really valuable thing for other athletes of any level to look at and just see um over the years like the bit by bit you've taken you know you've taken chunks off um but it hasn't all happened at once you know it's been over years and years and really we go back all the way to 2008 where you ran your first marathon in uh 232 23 I think or 32 um in London and you know 10 years later uh, sorry more than 10 years later, many years later, many years later, you have got taken, t- what I was saying is 10 minutes you've taken off yeah, yeah, across that time. So since your first one, you've, you've lowered it by almost 10 minutes. Um, and obviously you've had uh, various ebbs and flows along the way, um, which we might get into a little bit. But yeah, I thought that stat was really interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize about the sub 230s, but I thought there were quite a few because I think my default runs when things got tough was sort of that 228 zone, yeah. you know, we lock and I used it in the old shoe, that was in old shoe land. Um, and so, yeah, it, we'd always go, oh, well, when I ran a 228, I, I was kind of, that was my, um, that was the times when I really struggled. Like you talked about earlier, like in that 10, last 10K, there was always something that happened. Um yeah. And so once you crack that, then, you know, you, you, you'll find you'll, mm. you'll break that mould. So, you know, I when you talked about your experience and what happened at 30K, I'm like, yeah, I, I get that totally mm-hmm. and you, you, you'll make your way through that with with your experience, you know. You'll yeah. just, you'll, you'll find that path eventually. And um, I think the the thing for me is there's been so many times where I've gone, you know what, I think I'm just going to retire. There's mm-hmm. nothing more in this sport for me. Um, and there's been... And that hasn't, that's been a lot to do with external factors more than anything else. So our passion for running has never wavered. You know, we've loved running and we've always just gotten back into it. Um, it's really been, there's been moments where I've really done it tough and in external factors. And that's, um, what's really turned me off. Um, and so, and thinking, well, I'm always doing this the hard way, you know, is, am I going to get there with the, the lifestyle I have? And so it's been questioning our position every time and saying, all right, and taking a moment to not making any rash decisions, but going, all right, do I think with the current training plan, the current workload I have in my, you know, corporate job, et cetera, with a child, do I think that I can run better than I have before? And so that's been the the questions that we've asked ourselves as a team and then made that decision whether to go on. And I'm really glad I have every time because here I am. Um, but you know, it's really important at the time with your support crew to have those conversations and, and really kind of put yourself out there and say, well, what am I going to do differently this time in order to get to the next level? Because I got to a point where I didn't want to just keep finishing in the same positions or running the same times. Um, and I wanted to kind of make that next step. So 
I had to change something in order to do that. And and that's really how my career has progressed each time with these kind of changes that we've made. Yeah, always adapting. Yeah. And and you've spoken about dictating like a longevity approach with you. You mentioned having um, a lot of injuries kind of in your early 20s and maybe struggling with that transition from juniors to seniors. Uh, You won the under-23 section of the National Champs um, cross-country in 2003. Yeah, tell us more about that longevity approach that you've kind of taken with Dick. Yeah, so I ended up having, um, I ended up doing a lot of cross country, but not so much track. And I I think that's been, that was a little bit to do with kind of throwing a whole bunch of things into my life. So I was, you know, studying and I was a graduate at, you know, my corporate um, job and all of that. And that's, that's quite grueling in its own right. Um, And then add trying to run and get when I'd get onto the track um, particularly the old surface that we had Olympic Park was quite hard that Mondo hard track um, I think as soon as I started to try to do some track work I'd then get sore in my shin um, and then later we kind of worked it out as you know a bit of pronation and you know different shoes and we tra- we changed things along the way and I did a, a lot of training with Pam Turney's group here in Melbourne during that time and um and then it wasn't until I, think I made my first world cross in two in 07. Yeah, we went to Kenya. It was boiling hot, like you got, girls had. We had 38 degrees. A lady died in the crowd. Oh my God. Um, it was so hot. They ran out of water. Um, we don't remember finishing most of us. We were, it was, yeah. So we were feeling for you girls when we were watching that because um, have. I've <laughs> experienced that before. Um, but then, yeah, then the following year uh, I ran the Glasgow Games where we won a bronze medal and I finished like um, 16th or 17th or something um, and we yeah, had an awesome experience and that's when I ran London the first mm. marathon two weeks later. Yeah. Um, and, you know, back then I guess throughout like nine years of stresses I had like the doctor telling me maybe you should like take up triathlon or something else um but I always went back to that same I just love to run thing you know and it always brought me back um I thought I could run a good five and a good ten but once I started the marathon it was hard to recover from a prep for a marathon recover from a marathon and then get back and start trying to run Satapec or you know, because the championships are always in August and then you're trying to, you don't have enough time, particularly when your legs are totally trashed. Um, and so I was always kind of missing the track season. So for all these years, I haven't had a, I haven't had a crack at a track 10K since like 09. So, and it hasn't been because I haven't been fit throughout the year. It's just, there's been no right. race. So I went overseas to actually then run one. So, uh, yeah, so I really loved getting on the track and it was really disappointing as a junior to keep missing every season because I love to run fast more than I love to run long. Um, so lots of, yeah, lots of people say, oh, you want to um, go to ultras now, and you know, because of my crazy stunt, but it's like, no, I don't. I'd <laughs> rather run 5K, you know. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. be on the start line with the girls doing the 5K than I would be doing longer stuff. So, yeah, so I was really disappointed throughout those years to miss all the track stuff that you girls are doing now and, um, yeah, hoping that, you know, before I do finally stop competing that I can at least have a, 
you know, a go or two at, at a few of the track races and, yeah, just see what I can do at the end. Yeah, yeah, but she always jokes about me running the 1500, so <laughs> <laughs> we always have a laugh about that. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be fun. We should do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. It's it's good that you've kept in touch with your speed, though, and obviously it's there um, and you're still doing it in training, and I think that's, um, you know, a great way to train as a marathon and is still keeping in touch with that 10K speed you know, whether it's once a week or, or whenever you find it in your training block because um, it def- definitely does help. And I think you'd, you'd run great over the 5 and 10 and I hope we get to see you do that, you know, in the, in the next couple of years. Thanks, Izzy. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple of um, teams there and I just want to go back to when you're 27 in 2006, that was when you made your international debut at the World Road Running Championships. So, you know, like I'm 27 now, um, I feel like I'm kind of coming to the sport almost a little bit bit late but just seeing these stats shows that you've had such a amazing and long career um and and coming into that international um experience you know in your in your late 20s so you know when this happened did did you think that you could become a four-time olympian two-time commonwealth games medalist (laughs) three-time world cross-country rep you know and making teams on the world athletics and world road running as well uh, if yeah, if anyone said I'd go to the Olympics four times, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have believed them at the time. And look, that's a lot to do with the fact that people in our sport were telling me that I was a hack. Like yeah. I actually had someone tell me that from wow. our, our um, governing body slash institute who owned up to saying that to me. And, um, you know, so I had people telling me, oh, you're not good enough, you're not going to make it, you know. And so, and that fueled me for years mm. as it still is fueling me. Um, and so... It's, and look, those people have apologized in saying that. So I just want to say that. Yeah. yeah. Say that to people get things wrong and, and apologize. So that's nice. But, um, but it also was quite hurtful. And, uh, but on the other hand, it really fueled things. So, um, yeah, look, my dad always thought that I could run because he was a footy coach and I would go down to their preseason training and run around the oval. Um, because I was, you know, a young girl and he didn't want me to running the streets in the dark after school. And he was training the boys. So it was a safe place the space for me to do my exercise and um and so we were heavily in sport from through the footy connection um as kids and saw what it was like to operate in a high performing environment and so we were lucky to have that education just you know through a different sport um and you know seeing my dad coach the guys and seeing what you know the strategies that he used along the way like we were my sister and I, when we were little, we used to like run in and try and hide in behind all the guys' legs who were listening to dad's speech so we could hear dad's speech. You know, there was a lot of swearing and stuff that would go on um, in that speech. And so we were always trying to sneak in because we weren't allowed. Uh, but it really gave us that foundation for what it's like to, you know, perform in a, for Australia in, in sport. And um, and that fueled, you know, both of our sort of futures, um, you know, both on and off the field. And that, that was sort of the foundation, just getting told, you know, I'd go for runs with dad and I'd do preseason with his athletes and um, and then, you know, he'd say, I think you can run, Lisa. I think you should do cross country. And I was like, well, that's all a bit silly. You're running in the mud and the freezing cold, right? <laughs> no, I'd rather play ball sports or something. Uh, but then I did start and and I found out I could do it. And so from there that fueled the next goal and the next goal. Um, but unfortunately the injuries really hindered that you know, that period where, you know, you went to college and had that wonderful experience and Locke had similar. I was always on the sidelines through that. Um, But then again, it's kind of then helped me get a professional career and it's helped me really work hard for something. So, 
nothing's come easy to me in this sport. Um, I've done it the hard way 100% of the time. I've had, you know, people not believing in me other than my own group, you know, my own family unit and coaching unit. Um, and that's made me, um, you know, have to step up and be stronger and pedal harder. So, um, you know, it's if you try to look at the positives of that, it's really, you know, helped me develop into mm. some, you know, someone who can be strong and push through when things get tough. So Definitely. and that you need in a marathon. You need that in a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, adversity makes you stronger. And um sometimes, you know, missing those kind of formative years or exciting years in your early twenties, you know, it's 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 annoying and I, I kind of miss some too with injury, but it helps you um ha- have a longer career and yeah, stay kind of excited and, and and vying for the next challenge ahead yeah I think so and I think we like childbirth and you know all of that is um you know people talk about that and whether it's a positive and negative and how that impacts individuals um but I think the key part I would say about having a child in the middle of your running career or any sporting or other professional career is it's a good opportunity when you're doing that to step away from this environment that you're so engaged in and so focused and structured around and step back and really have that opportunity to go, hang on a minute, am I like get off the the wheel for a minute and then really just assess and this is what I want to do or is there something else that's going to be fulfilling for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is a bit of a reset for all of us when we do have a child and because our needs and and everything go you know into the back burner and and that life changes significantly in that way um but i think that one piece of advice to anyone in a you know wanting to um st- take up a sporting career and especially a running career is is to take those moments like childbirth doesn't have to be the reset moment you know make sure you take those moments to not make any rash decisions about the next step and go okay this is what I want this is why I want it and now I'm committed to that and this is what I'm going to do better next time and so that's been something that's been really um, positive experience for Locke and I over the you know the last sort of five years where we've done that each time we haven't been quick to jump into the next thing and that's been mentally definitely so you did discussed earlier your debut in London in 2008, running 232.32, two weeks after winning um, a world championship team bronze medal for Australia at the World Cross Country. How did you pull up after that? Uh, I was pretty good. I actually, like, got a bit of a sniffle in the middle, um, you know, because it was really cold, like, yeah. opposite to what, yeah, to what you guys experienced in, in the last one. But it was really cold. So, it, yeah, we just I just had a little bit of that in the middle, but everything else was pretty good. Um, and then I was just really excited about running London. It was funny because when, uh, before running London, um, there was someone that said to me, oh, you get to 30K and you feel like you just can't go on. Like you just have this overwhelming feeling. And so when I got to 30K of the London Marathon, I was like, what is going to happen to me at this? You know, I had this all like, <laughs> this thing That's how I felt like, how bad is going to be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think for London that year, um, the sleet and head like uh, headwind came in that last five miles when you're running along the river, and so we just had sleet and wind in our faces all the way along. Um, so it was hard because you know you're running the first marathon, your legs are totally cooked, and you've got a headwind to battle. Um, but uh, yeah, it was probably a good initiation because it was hard. It wasn't quite as bad as what was described to me, but um, it, yeah. And then, you know, you had all of the, we, we actually then had all of the stress of the fact that that year I had 
ran the IW, what was IWF, so World Athletics time, but I hadn't ran the harder standard that Athletics Australia had set. And so even though there was no one else that was qualified, um, right up to the last minute I had to wait um, to, for this agonising decision as to whether they would still take me for Beijing, even though and even though I was well in the uh, World Athletics time frame, but I was just a few, a little, just shy of the, um, I think they set 232.00 as the, the time back then. But wow. thankfully that was, you know, thankfully they picked me because it, it basically started um, my career and, um, yeah, we haven't looked back since. So Yeah, so you you made your Olympic debut in Beijing and you placed yeah. 33rd in the marathon and you've been top 35 at all four Olympics since then. And, again, that just shows what a consistent performer you are on the world stage. Yeah, I've had all different experiences. So um, Beijing was kind of like I wasn't, I was probably running about 100 and 110 kilometres a week back then. Um, so it wasn't really marathon training as we kind of do now. Uh, so it was a bit of a tight turnaround to recover from that first one and, and run the Olympics, but it was pretty amazing. And I probably left too much in the tank, really. I came across the line and felt really good and was like, well, that I didn't quite go hard enough, obviously. <laughs> um, and then the next one was my best um, in London. And, yeah, pretty fun experience, ran a PB at the time and, you know, and Jess ran her um, debut Olympic there and Benita was there. Unfortunately, Benita was really sore in the lead-up to that one. So, um, yeah, it would have been amazing if that hadn't happened to her because, you know, obviously she's one of our most talented. So, um, yeah, so that that was London and then... Um, yeah, London, you were 17th, so maybe yeah. arguably your high, highest position um, at, a, at a global championship, so a, a great run. Yeah, and then um, Rio, I got sick. I got sinusitis and I was really crook. I didn't know how I was actually going to finish most of the race. Like I was in really bad way after 20K. Uh, and then after that, um, yeah, Tokyo. Well, Tokyo was, yeah, lots of reasons why I didn't perform as well as I should have. Um, but, yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed. This time, yeah. this time and, <laughs> No, no sicknesses and the per the plan that I want to put in place. So um, I know what works and I want to be able to implement that plan now. Um, so hopefully I can have that ability to decide my own plan and, and give this one a go. And yeah. Hopefully the next one. yeah. So, so many factors that go into place. Yeah. You know, weather, your lead up. Um, That's right. Just so many things. The, t the start time of the event, um, the course itself. So it's That's very right. hard to kind of nail it on the day, but. Yeah, those performances across the board have, I think, you know, from an outside perspective, have been very strong, very strong runs. We're always so critical on ourselves, though. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you actually broke 230 for the first time when you won the Nagano Marathon in Japan when you ran 228.48. And it sounded like you took the race on from about 15Ks and didn't look back. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, that was a, a really fun trip. It was a funny experience because, you know, my manager had said to me, oh, I think you can um, finish on the podium if you run really well. Um, and so Locke and I were like, okay. And and at the time I was like, well, I've trained, obviously I wasn't training anywhere near like the level now, but, you know, at the time it was, you know, I'd had my best prep, you know, uh, compared to the others. And and so I was, I remember sitting in the, that elite celebration area that they have where at the start and like looking at the other girls and thinking, well, I'm going to give this everything. And, you know, this one, I'll be running to the end and like leaving nothing, you know, at the end. And so I had this expectation that that's what the event would be like. But, um, 
at halfway I was leading and everyone was falling off and I was like, this is not what I had thought What's this pace on? was going to be like. And so I was really um, running along going, wow, I feel really good and I'm in front and, you know, and and then you have that moment of like, oh, hopefully I can stay in front you know, because it's still a long way to go. So uh, that's how that panned out in, in Nagano and, um, yeah, it was a really fun experience and, you know, what Japan's like, it's just a celebration of sport and running bear and so to win, um, you know, a marathon like that. Um, early in my career was pretty special yeah definitely it will be such a different experience um you know leading and winning a marathon versus sitting in a pack or holding on for dear life or yeah the different experiences that we have yeah that's right the funny part of uh, Nagano is uh, Kate Smith was running also and Locke and Craig their partner were together and they'd hired bikes and they were riding together and then I saw Craig and he held some signs up for Kate at, you know, a couple of points and Locke wasn't there. So I'm running along thinking, where's Locke? Like, oh, gosh, I hope nothing's wrong, you know. Anyway, and then later, like I'm running, at, you know, in that sort of 30K mark or whatever, I was running and I'm on my own out in the middle of nowhere. And then I see Locke and he's on the bike, like, but the bike's got like one pedal and he's holding <laughs> the other pedal in his hand. And I was like, what is going on? Am I seeing things? <laughs> um, and so it turned out like at 5K, the pedal fell off his bike. Oh, no. and he was like stuck and trying to work out how to get around to yeah. uh, see the parts of the race. And, and so it was pretty funny at the end because they have these mascots um, at the finish and one of the mascots was all dressed up and had a um a spanner and so we took photos with Locke with the spanner and he's flying <laughs> in off the side so oh, that's yeah, funny. pretty crazy but yeah the things a that fun experience there, like yeah like what's yeah. Locke <laughs> yeah crazy there but yeah. yeah so pretty silly stuff but yeah the fun stuff that you remember of, over the years definitely yeah. and um you know you won your first of two Commonwealth Games marathon medals claiming bronze in Delhi how was that experience winning your first um, medal at major championships yeah that was pretty cool experience I actually tore my quad the week before on the camp oh, wow. um, and so I didn't run for like most of that week in the lead up to that race and so by the time I got to the race I was you know we were quite nervous because I thought that I had a good chance of meddling but um, you know obviously it was a bit unknown because I couldn't run and so uh, yeah, a bit grueling um, towards the end, especially in those conditions in Delhi. But, um, yeah, pretty special in the end to get the bronze because, you know, you just it's not easy, as you know, trying to achieve these things. And when life throws these curveballs at you and you've got to try to make the most of it, um, you never know which way it's going to go. So, yeah, pretty pretty cool experience. And then uh, it took a long time for me to recover from that race as a result of all of that. But, um yeah, but we came back eventually and oh actually Locke and I got OP um after that and we had a long time out um and then went to Boulder in 2011 to do a crash course in getting fit to try to qualify. So um for 2012. So yeah, so it was it was it took a lot um in the end out of me. It took probably like a whole year was a bit ruined as a result of all of that, but it was worth it to win the medal for the country. Yeah. And it seems like looking at all your results that you've been, you know, really consistent, haven't had, you know, big amounts of time off. But I'm I'm sure as you just said, you've have had injuries over the course of time. And um, maybe tell us, you know, what, what has been the hardest injury that you've experienced um, you know, during your marathoning career? Yeah, probably that one. Um yeah, we we were both out for three or four months mm. um and then I don't know how we managed to get the same injury at the same time but somehow we did. 
um, which was dangerous. It's not a support <laughs> network, but uh, yeah, we we had that, and then there were, we were, I was running out of time, and so I went from no running to, and we didn't really have the alter Gs back then. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like I'm like ancient, but yeah. um, you know, we had no alter G, which is obviously a, such a help now. Yeah, and so we had to do it the old way of you know one minute on, one minute off, and you know, and gradually get there. Uh, so we decided to um, pay our way and just you know, invest and go to Boulder. And so we went to Boulder and did nine weeks, I think, um, and ran a couple of, um, did some testing and um, ran a couple of local fun runs and things like that just to get fit. And so we went from zero fitness to um, running Frankfurt Marathon in nine weeks, I think. Yeah. And it was hell. I remember crying. I was running, I was at about the 38. It's the only time I've cried in a marathon and I was running along at 38k mark crying. (laughs) <laughs> because it was oh, no. wasting energy <laughs> oh it was so painful I'll, I'll never forget that that last bit because it was yeah probably the hardest one I've done apart mm. from the sickness ones but uh yeah so I remember that but I qualified and yeah. um got to go to London so it was all worth it it sounds you look pretty. back and laugh at it now and that's right I can it sounds oh, hard in the moment <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, probably the other one that was um, really tough was Chicago. Um, that was 2019. Mm-hmm. I think I just ran 68 high for the half and I was in great shape, trained the house down, and then I got food poisoning. So mm-hmm. Betsy Sainer um, and Steph, she, we all were a bit crook actually in the race and I finished but I was like vomiting from like 27K. Oh, and so um yeah, and so, yeah, you go into it thinking, oh, yeah, my training's better and I think this is just going to work and you feel really confident and then, you know, you have those moments where it's like and there's nothing I can do about this, mm-hmm. you know, like I I can't fix this, I can't, along the way, I can't do anything about it. It's, it's you know, it's out of my hands now. So, um, yeah, yeah, so they're, they're probably some bit of the, the bad side of the whole experience but um, they do make the good bits really good. Absolutely, and it's so hard in the marathon because, you know, you've just shown us, you, yeah, you can run a marathon a week later, but normally, you know, when, <laughs> no, you're, when yeah. you're doing a marathon, that's that's maybe it for, um, you know, you've trained for that for, for six months specifically maybe and, um, you know, you're not just going to go and do a race, find a race a week later or two weeks later or a month later. Like that's kind of almost it. So it's, you know, we never really want to pull out of races, but it's also really hard um, to, when you're having a, ba- a bad day, um, you know, know what the, what to do because you know on the track you could just go up you know today is not the day um I'll line up in the 800 you know next week that's Um, right you know you don't really have that luxury um when you're a marathoner no that's right pressure on that one day that's right there there absolutely is and and especially when you hit the championships you know Mm -hmm. that's it's even more because you put even more pressure on yourself and you know you're doing it for yourself you're doing it for your training partners you're doing it for the country you know there's so much and it's easy to feel overwhelmed um, so you've got to have that, you know, try to take that space and try to lift all of that off yourself, off your shoulders, because it can become a bit insurmountable sometimes when you, you know, things are going negatively. And how was your experience on the Gold Coast when you um, won the silver medal at the 2018 Com Games? Yeah, that was pretty amazing too. I mean, to have all your family there, and obviously we had Pete at that for that one. Um, and I missed Glasgow because I had Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's my he's my gold medal. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I watched all the guys and watched Michael win on TV for Glasgow and, and so I was really excited to have that opportunity to 
to run Gold Coast and be there in our, you know, our home home country. And um, look, it was, you know, the conditions were hard, you know, it got really hot as you would have all seen and we were all pretty um, unwell afterwards. Yeah, um, it hard. You know, yeah, so putting yourself through, I think that's the hard part. We get put through the marathon but we also get put in a position where we have to run most of the championships in very hot conditions and over the years it's uh, that's why I've missed quite a few world champs because you can't be putting yourself through that year after year for as long as I've been running marathons you've got to to pick because you do put your you know your internal organs through a lot um and it's not you know not very healthy so um that I guess was sort of the tough part about um, you know, experiencing certainly the last 15K of the Gold Coast race. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty special to come through and get silver. And, uh, yeah, like obviously I had, you know, dreams of getting gold. And, yeah, of course. You know, and because we all do, we try and achieve the, the highest we can. Um, but I guess they're still Ballarat, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll be pretty special too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and you mentioned running um, that half marathon on the Sunshine Coast in 2019. It was the Australian all-comers record uh, with 68-48, so a great run. Um, uh, look, you've run races all over the world, but you've also run, you know, your, your half marathon PB on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. You've run Melbourne Marathon um, 226 low back in 2013 you've run the Gold Coast last year 225 55 um do you love running in Australia and having that that home crowd I do yeah I love running in Australia especially like running Gold Coast last year like I had my training buddies running with me and um you know because they were trying to run um their first marathon and so yeah. you know, the period of the race um you know Tim was with me in the group and I had Michael pacing me, which was like awesome. We that actually started out as like a hey, Michael, you might because we'd speak like every week, and there was like, do you want to pace me? You know, he's like, I'm not really running much. <laughs> and it's like, and then all of a sudden that, that seed was sown, and then he started running, and he's like, maybe I can pace you for at least 20k or something. Yeah, it's like all right. So then it became really fun, you know. Um, you know, obviously I was um, originally thinking I was preparing for Com Games. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, when that didn't happen, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make the most of this and and have a great experience. And so running with Michael was awesome. Um, and, you know, because he's, you know, part of our team and, you know, we're, we're pretty close. And so to have him help me do that and actually, you know, do some training to be able to do it was was very special. I felt very honoured to to have that. Um, yeah. It looked yeah. Like, a fun, a fun, like a fun experience too, you guys running together. Yeah, I struggled a little bit later in the race um, because I roll in um, on my right side, which is mm -hmm. where all my injuries came from. The um, Yeah, and so what was happening is my, um, because I don't put my orthotics in my racing shoes, mm -hmm. I was rolling in on that right side and, and I was actually like rubbing the side of my knee, like I ended up getting chafing on my oh. knee. But all through my arch was getting sore and sore as we kept going on that camber. So that was probably like the bit that was not so flash, but um and so that made it quite painful, um, you know, that last, the last part isn't already painful, but that was <laughs> my downfall, I think, um, in the Gold Coast race. But it was so cool, like just having everybody out there and everyone loves Gold Coast and if you run, you're always there, you know, if you're a runner, runners yeah. are there. So I've, never, I've never been, but I'm hoping that oh, uh, one day yeah. soon. Maybe yeah. Soon. <laughs> you know, and it could be the 10, it could be the half, you know, it, it, there's so many great events that you know, it's just such a celebration. You know, you don't yeah. have to be a marathoner to be there. So, uh, yeah, and look, the 09, I think it was 09, was it 09 when I ran? I kind of remember now, 69 <laughs> for the half. 
Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and so when everyone was sort of talking about breaking that all-comers record in, on the sunny coast, it was like, look, said to me, well, why don't we go? Like, why don't you try? Like, it's your your time that everyone's trying to beat and you're in shape. So, um, yeah, so that was a really fun experience to to run that race and and just see how fast I could go and, and how fast I could finish and um, taught a lot, you know, taught myself a lot in that race about what's left and yeah. And what I can do, so and yeah, such a, such a strong um, field, you know, in Australia, having yourself, Sinead and Ellie, running all together in the one half marathon is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly great that we have got such a great group, and yourself included, you know, strong women, uh, and the girls coming through in the ten as well, coming through and really just pushing each other along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, since Leanne and I ran the Sydney ten last year together, like she's just, you know, she ran so well there, and she's come along in leaps and bounds and you know she'll be also like you you guys will probably be spending a lot of time on teams together into the future um and you know it's it's just great for you girls you know I had those relationships with athletes like Anna Thompson who's one of our you know amazing cross-country runners you know we used to room together in every team and you know really create beautiful friendships along that way and um you know it's it's exciting for for all of us to keep trying to push as long as we can but also knowing that you guys are coming and and um it's going to be exciting for our sport for years to come yeah it's an exciting time that's for sure um and also just your berlin race last year look now that's kind of been overshadowed with your amazing pb <laughs> but that was only you know five months uh prior to your most recent pb um you took 45 seconds off to run 224 flat that must have been you know bittersweet to see the 224 00 how did that feel yeah I was trying to sprint to the line that's for sure too, when I saw the clock yeah. um, to get that 23 look I've had this goal of mine for many years um, since I started running to run as fast as Lisa on Diki so Dick coach Lisa and um, so you know we've I've known Lisa for a long time and you know, stood at Olympic Park with Dad and Dick saying, talking about their Zodapec and, you know, I remember saying to Dad and Dick, like, I really hope one day I could run that fast. Like, they're just so fast, you know, and, um, you know, and to then go and run as fast as them on the, you know, in their 10K times and, um, and you know, it just blows, you know, blew me away because as that young girl, I was like, wow, that's just so fast, you know, could I ever do that? Uh, and then now to oh, you know, yeah. finally, yeah, to finally hit that marathon time, like that was always my, um, you know, that that main burning goal that I had. Um, so yeah, the, I was really disappointed in Berlin because I thought I would get it there. Um, I think yeah, I ran solo for to halfway, so I was lucky okay. to have, um, you know, I started off a little slower in, in Berlin, and then I got onto the Japanese group who they had a good pacing group. Um, and then, cause I didn't have a personal pacer. And so then I went, not that I have like a soccer has been really the only race where I've had a, um, you know, pacing, pacing at the perfect pace that I wanted for the race. So, um, yeah, I got onto this Japanese group in Berlin, um, and then they, um, put the pedal down at a certain point in the race. And then I was like, Oh, I'm on PB pace. Do I go with that? Do I stay, you know, and you've got to make those decisions, um, and so, yeah, so that's, um, so I was really happy to get a PB and, and everything, but it was like, oh, I just wanted to get that, so close, yeah. time, you know, like, and, and finally say, yes, I, I did that and be able to tell her I did it, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was good to then have that opportunity to go and, and do it again in Osaka so soon and, and achieve it finally. Yeah. And your splits in Osaka were pretty amazing. Like you, 
you really didn't slow down at all for the second half, which is kind of inevitable. It's almost like, you know, the marathon, like how much can you um, not slow down? Um, yeah, and that's you, you were very even. Um, so it really showed just how well prepared you were. And, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing to see, you know, you, you maintain that pace all the way through and it's exciting, you know, what, what more is there for you. I hope so. I mean, we're really excited. I think Locke's super pumped. Like he's um, <laughs> been doing a fair bit of riding with me, which has been good to test out some more fueling and stuff like that. Um, so we've done a lot of laps around Lake Windery and Ballarat and just, yeah, it's been a really nice um, block this block with no interruptions. Um, I, I fell over once um, mm. and and but was able to recover from that within a couple of days. And so okay. That was, you know, the only real hiccup that we had and got through that unscathed. So I think when things go smoothly, it's easier to go into a race confidently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's when you have your ups and downs, it's your training doesn't lie. It's you try to convince yourself, but I think in the end, you really deep down know where you're at when you're yeah. doing, you know, when you're training, um, you know, to, you, all your times, they're all there, you know, they're all, <laughs> they're all for everyone to yeah. see, you know. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's getting, gaining that confidence for you with your training is really important. Have you changed your um, like nutrition and fueling strategy over the years or have you kind of found what worked early on and, and stuck at that? I stuck at the same similar plan until Chicago mm-hmm. and when I started to throw up in Chicago, <laughs> it's a bit gross, um, <laughs> I just couldn't stomach the same stuff, so the same flavours, the yeah, same sure. Um, and so I, bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I was like I couldn't even look at anything of orange flavour. Um, it was just like no, nothing um, from that experience. So it, that was a forced um, change. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so since then I've been trialling a few different things and then uh, I think I've pretty much landed on the structure now of what is working for my stomach. So, so hard yeah. to get it right because I, f- I find myself like, I manage it in training and then on race day, like I just feel so sick and I'm like, what? I'm, my body should be used to this. Like what's happening? Why is it rejecting it? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, I mean, Jess and the nutritionists and, and Lisa, they they kind of give you lots of advice around trialling it and just getting yourself used to it. But I think um, you've got to tr- you've got to trial it when you're at pace because, yeah. you know, it's not. Different. Yeah, it's different. Like if you just take it in a long run, it's like mm-hmm. and you're just running and chatting, it's not the same impact on your gut. So I think, yeah, trying to get that used to it in when you're under pressure. Um, I find also like the breathing, you know, you're trying to drink and it takes them and not trip over. Yeah. You know, like we had 20 in our pack in Osaka for like a large wow. pool, you know, those first few drink stations and you're like, I don't want to fall over and, you know. <laughs> You're trying to, yeah. And they run into the drink stations pretty fast. Like it people yeah. sprint into it and like yeah. cut you off. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the men are a bit more polite, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, was getting, I, was getting clipped, I was getting clipped quite a lot just in this last race and I was like, because I didn't realise but I was, like Leanne was pacing us to 25 and I was at the front of the pack and I didn't realise how many people were kind of like sitting in the pack but I was yep. just like, oh, my gosh, like can you give me some space? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's just it's how they run. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it takes a bit of getting used to because you've got to be concentrating. You know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Sometimes you want to switch off for a moment and you can't. Yeah, you can't. No. Yeah, fall on your face. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. I forgot to mention earlier just to ask about. I see a lot on Instagram um, cross training sometimes at, at home. So how do you kind of supplement that into your your training week? Yes. Um, so back in the day. When I had like a zillion injuries, I used mm-hmm. to water run all the time with some friends. 
and I do spin classes and things like that. And so because I spent so much of my 20s doing that, I just can't, like, I can't even bring myself to think about doing anything like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so if I get injured, I, I really do recover. Like I don't do, I just go accept the fact that the body's telling me, hey, it's time for a break and, you know, so I don't jump into the pool and do anything like that until I've recovered from, you know, that initial piece. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and it's just because I've been at it for such a long time and experienced a lot of that cross training and, um, and mentally I just couldn't do it. I'd rather focus on other things in my life at the time. Um, but the, I have an elliptical, so I do add some of that in. Um, we built a house in 2018. Um, and, and so we built a gym here. Yeah, it looks, it looks so good. We, we used to have a treadmill that we borrowed from, um, uh, Brent, Brent Valance, um, back in our, when we had our older place and, um, we had it in this old back room and the room one day Locke was, was running on it and he called me out and he said, Lisa, is the room shaking? I think, I think maybe we'll be running on this treadmill. It's like the room. <laughs> and so we had like, yeah, we, we tried to make do in, in this, uh, in the old house. But, um, yeah, when we built the number one pre- requirement was to, uh, gym. put the gym and, um, and yeah, I've had a, a sponsorship with Nordic Track, so I've had the opportunity to put some good um, uh, machines in, and and we put a TV in, and and um, and that's also so Pete can watch cartoons while yeah. I'm running and things like that as well. Yeah. So I can yeah do a lot of that work. But we never thought about it. We thought about putting the tre- the treadmill in for all of the winter months. You know, like you can avoid the winter and da da da. But actually, what we really use it for is the summer months and mm. for the heat acclimation because you yeah. know 40 degree day you can get in there and put the air con on um but if and also with the prep for the different marathons in the hot weather um you know it's ideal to be able to just go out the back and and use the treadmill so yeah we haven't had it all my career but it's certainly been a blessing in recent times being a parent to have that extra uh, ability to train yeah definitely good flexibility for sure and you yeah. mentioned before i think that um you don't do strength but that's more like a time decision like you just prioritize your running um and obviously you've got work and being a mom so strength is just kind of something that just doesn't fit in yeah I'd love to like I'd love to be a full-time athlete easy <laughs> like I just can't pay wouldn't we all wouldn't we all yeah, that's <laughs> right so you know it's not, it's not really it's not really a thing in Australia no no it's not a thing in Australia no not at all we're, so, all, juggling, we're all juggling something exactly right and and look that's the best way for long term um yes, yeah I, I agree so, I don't, I don't know if it's that healthy um, to be putting all your eggs in the running basket because it can be so mentally draining when it doesn't go well. Yeah, that's right. We spend a lot of time where it's not going well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that part of it, I think I find it quite difficult to add because like we talked about at the start around juggling the three roles and yeah. being present for Pete, you know, I want to be playing Lego or I want to be reading with him or, you know, whatever, you know, he's doing a whole lot of, um, he's got a bit of an engineering bent. And so he's like making models of his, of trains with cardboard boxes and a glue gun, you know, and so parents need to supervise glue guns, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yes, you want to be there for that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if I'm doing more training, it's like uh, I don't want him to resent sport because his mum's always just training. So that's the balance there. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. some of the big influences in your career, you've mentioned um, Karen McCann as a role model, obviously a coach, Dick Telford, you know, your supportive husband, Lachlan. Um, 
just yeah tell us a bit more about these people and how they've impacted your career yeah so um karen um was my first mentor so when michael and i were young we were part of the it was called the prime minister's five squad so we were all given through a grant through pat farmer we were all given five thousand dollars um to go towards um building our careers and that was when we made like our half world half teams back then and so it was nice to be part of that team because what we then were given is a mentor and Karen was my mentor my assigned mentor so um, I was able to forge a relationship with Karen and uh, she's like a mum you know she was she's just such a mum <laughs> um, she used to make muffins for you know Simon Field you know the M- your MTC group like mm-hmm. she's go on camps with all the guys at Nick's house and make the muffins you know yeah. and, you know just such a mum and mm-hmm. you know just a beautiful person and um, yeah, so I was really lucky to have that relationship um, for that time and get to know her. Um, and then, um, you know, I idolised these these athletes and um, obviously it touched on the Lisa connection and, mm-hmm. um, and, and wanting to achieve as much as she has achieved in her life. Um, silver medal at the Olympics, probably a bit out of my league, but, <laughs> but yeah. Amazing. She, it's pretty amazing. She doesn't get the... Um, I don't know. I don't know the credit. I guess in well, recent times that yeah, she, it's hard. You know, I mean, what Lisa, she did achieve, you know. Lisa's yeah. from from South Australia, and um, I've broken a few of her kind of state records um, yeah. in the half marathon and the five k and three k. And um, her name comes up a lot, but I think she's not so involved kind of in the in the running scene anymore. So it's it's hard to keep that um, that connection, I guess, if you don't know someone yeah. personally. And I think she might be she living in America now. She is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I'd love to meet her one day and, you know, learn from her as well. Yeah, so she's, um, yeah, been that. And, look, Dick um, coached my dad footy, so, you know, oh, he's cool. been baby since I was a baby and yeah. that's how we, um, you know, we had our connection and, and you know, and then just, you know, our own peers and, um, I mean, obviously Mona because I'm, you know, in Ballarat quite a bit and, you know, I think we had coffee, lock, Mona and I, for about four hours the other day and, you know, just so nice to have, um, someone to just chat about, chat to him about, and he's such a wealth of knowledge. So, um, having all of those people that you know, I'm sort of in the middle of their age bracket, you know, um, and you know, I've seen them in their prime, and and now I'm still going. It's kind of crazy, but um, I think also our peers. You know, like I'm very close with Michael Shelley, and you know, he's like a brother to us, and um, and to have written all of the highs and lows with him and you know I'm sure it's very similar with you with your training group and that you know you want each other to do well you're also competitive and you want to get the spot yourself and so it's balancing that support for each other um and the friendships with the inner desire to you know to run your best and get you know your Olympic spot so I think, um, you know, that's hard for us. I think we want to um, celebrate each other's performances, but we also feel like the world's watching, um, you know, about are they friends, are they not friends, and, you know, and, you know, did someone post about someone else and all that social media, you know, garbage. But yeah, um, it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge and it just puts unnecessary pressure. But I think the the great thing is that we all kind of want the, what's best for each other and, and, and we all know that we're all competitive and we all want the spot too. So... Um, I think that's um, also a bit of like not necessarily a role model but uh, an opportunity for us to really push each other, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Sinead running the national record recently, you know, that's pushed us to to know that the limits are, you know, mm-hmm. the limits have changed. You know, we're not um, putting limits on ourselves in any way and, and we're going to keep driving until, to the point where we think we can't 
put in anymore in our training or we can't dedicate our life anymore to this or, you know, and, and it's exciting to know that those limits are being pushed through other people's performances and through technology. Um, yeah, I agree. It's yeah. always like you want, you know, we're all competitive people and we wouldn't um, be in the sport if we didn't have that competitive edge. But um, actually seeing it in person and seeing what other people are able to achieve makes you go, oh, well, if she can do it, maybe maybe I can. Yeah. Um, and it really elevates, um, you know, it, it elevates everyone and it elevates the sport. So yeah. it's important. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, has there been any words of advice you've been given in your career that have really stuck with you or you've kind of held on to and that's helped you in, in your career? Yeah, probably the main one is dad. So back when I had all my injuries, uh, he said to me, uh, he always said to me, Lisa, nothing beats persistence. Mm. And and I've kind of held that, you know, along the way in, in all aspects of my life, you know. Um, you know, I have days at work that are just as hard as a marathon, you know. So, um, you know, using that philosophy and just having that in the back of my mind is something that I always treasure. So, yeah, like my dad, um, you know, he was a footy coach and back in that, you know, real footy, <laughs> footy coach era, the old school stuff. And, um, and, you know, he's been such an amazing develop, you know, a development coach for sort of the the 20 year olds at Collingwood and I've seen him do that throughout the years and um it's been really good to see him you know as he's progressed through his career and how he's persisted through things um and he's got Parkinson's now so we you know and he's really um doing well through all of that challenge and you know no matter you know some of the days are a bit challenging but he's still like out there you know fixing the roof and just you know just really getting on with things and like the same thing persisting through things so I think um yeah like that really is probably the best advice I've had throughout my career because I've had many moments where I've gone is this really worth it you know Mm, I love that I remember that one (laughs) (laughs) well what's on your bucket list still I you know you may not be able to tell us exactly what your plans are for the rest of 2023 but um you know what do you still want to achieve um you know are, are there races you want to you want to tick off obviously Boston is maybe one of them yeah, yes <laughs> yeah Boston will be really good I'd love to run that I think I had an invite for a, a few years ago but um yeah I don't know if that was around when I had Pete or I can't remember now it was a while ago um yeah so definitely Boston is on the on the list um I'd love to run New York again because it's so amazing and um, we were building the house when I ran we were just finishing and moving in when I ran it last time so I wasn't kind of training the same level so I'd really like to train for that again one time and and give that a shot um obviously the um Olympics is the number one goal so anything we can put into that um and look I haven't made a decision yet on world champs and stuff so I've still got to um sort of nut that out with the team at the moment on that um and yeah and some halves and go back to yeah doing a fair bit of the road so yeah I'm looking forward to going back down I train with um group of guys at Melbourne Uni and um yeah we have a pretty big group and like um quite a good range so I can I'm looking forward to joining them again and getting back into that real 10k stuff um, because that's what I really like doing is those sessions with them so uh, yeah so just jumping back into that and seeing um, where my 10k fitness and half fitness goes and and um, yeah, so hopefully we'll all be out on the streets together somewhere in Australia. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. think that um, you know that that half marathon PB of yours has got some um, some space to be lowered. So <laughs> yeah, I'm excited so. to see what you could do with that one. 
Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So what about you? You've got um, probably similar, um, I yeah. guess, about track versus marathon and, you know, that sort of stuff too. Yeah, I'm still happy to, to juggle it all, but I, I do love the marathon. And um, I think something that we probably all understand is, um, as marathoners is like you can want um, to be the best and to beat people and to make teams, but um, really like the marathon distance itself kind of, works it out you can't really focus on other people you have to just really be quite self-focused and yeah. um focus on just on just getting better and um every experience kind of pushes you forward teaches you more and um while you know the olympics is a massive goal um for everyone at this level like we know how many cool opportunities there are, are out there with you know the world majors and and different teams um so yeah there's there's heaps of opportunities on the table for all of us and that's really exciting yeah, that's right. And like Con Games, you know, I I didn't make Con Games last year, but um, but I made the most of the rest of the year through a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other experiences. So you're absolutely right. You know, when when you don't quite get the A goal that you were, you know, thinking you were going for, um, you know, we're really lucky in the sport of marathoning that, you know, pretty amazing experiences going and doing the world majors and even not the world majors, like the the next level of, you know, um, marathons that are out there are pretty cool yeah um, definitely yeah so there's always re- something else and yeah there's there's room for everyone to be achieving um their best yeah I agree yeah yeah, yeah. and look you're only one of eight Australians in athletics to go for it to a record of four games now we're talking about a fifth Olympics that's pretty amazing Fingers very crossed. excited. Uh, I, yeah, look, I, I won't lie. I mean, I really want that opportunity because, you know, um, the last one didn't go as well as I'd hoped and um, and certainly I was pretty sick in Rio, so I didn't really, that went disastrous. So, you know, I'm really hoping that I have this opportunity to demonstrate what I can do and, um, yeah, that will be pretty special. But, you know, I know all you girls want to go too and, um, you know, have your story and and have the reasons why you want this opportunity. So, you know, like you said, we, we're we all trying to achieve, um, you know, focused on our personal journey and, and achieve what we personally want to achieve and um, we'll have that opportunity um, in our marathon careers ongoing and you've certainly got what you're 27 I think yeah. I I don't even remember what time I started maybe 28 or something so yeah. you've got like years ahead of you that yeah. might be a blessing or a <laughs> I don't know uh, you and Sinead have, have, are showing us um, you know how many years ahead we can have in the sport and so it's really exciting and um, yeah I feel very honoured to be uh, competing at a time where I get to line up against you women and, and learn from you and um, just be a part of something really special. special. So thank you for um, all that you've done for the sport and I look forward to seeing what the next year has ahead for you. Thanks, Izzy. Thanks, Lisa. It was great to chat today. You too. Thanks again, Prep, for supporting this episode. Head over to www.preptydration.com.au to try Prep today. Prep is the ultimate hydration for runners. 